Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models in dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. Welcome back to The Chosen Ones and Other Tropes, where I ask two published authors about their favorite tropes and the ones that make them want to cry. Unless it's a secret sibling, which probably is. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Oh, it all makes sense now. It's like, no, No. it doesn't. It makes less (laughs) sense. I have more questions. Well, some some people would argue he's the hero of Lord of the Rings. (laughs) Some people being. (laughs) And it made you sad. The total opposite made you sad. It's so bleak. I was reading it and I was like, damn, this girl's like, <laughs> You're gonna make a lot of enemies on the internet. Saying like that. <laughs> Wait, okay, not stop. Okay, I'm glad And we're back. See, it works with today's trope concerning the troubling life expectancy of good old-fashioned mentor figures. Mentors come in all shapes and sizes. Most notably, we've got the traditional ones. You've got Obi Wan, Gandalf, Dumbledore. They're friendly, wise, usually bearded, and are helpful (laughs) in some sort of frustratingly cryptic way. And speaking of cryptic, you've got to mention the eccentrics, the wacky mystical mentors like Yoda and Mr. Miyagi, who train their students by having them do their housework and chores. Then there's the more reluctant types like Shifu in Kung Fu Panda, who want nothing to do with the protagonist. And how could we not include good old evil mentors, whether blatantly or secret, who never had the protagonist's best interests at heart, like Ra's al Ghul in Batman, or Mr. Glass in Unbreakable, or Michael from The Good Place Season 1. But (laughs) no matter what their origin or story, they more often than not end up dead. So let's turn it over to the gang. Melissa, how do you feel about slaying mentors? Mm. I found this really tricky, actually, because um, I think for me, it depends when the mentor dies, Mm -hmm. like how early on in the story they die. So like if we're taking a really traditional example, like Harry Potter, obviously... Spoilers. Um, <laughs> uh, I was going to say Gandalf, but yeah, you know what Gandalf I mean. Same dies. Uh, yeah, yeah, right. Um, Dumbledore obviously <laughs> dies like quite late, and then we find out some stuff about him, and it's a bit: was he a bad mentor or a good mentor? But it's very, very late. But then I guess that's okay because it's a series of books. Whereas when maybe when it's like a standalone. So one of the um, examples I came up with today was um, I was thinking about the Vampire Diaries, which has like, I think nine, but it might even be 12 books because there's quite a few and it got rebooted after the TV series and then the TV series kicked in. And they fe- I feel like they have a mentor every season that dies. <laughs> um, so like it's Aunt Jenna um, who takes over when her parents are dead, which I, I guess you could argue is like an initial mentor off screen that dies. And then when she dies, um, Uncle John comes in, who is her birth father, and he dies. And you think he's bad, but he's good. And then, of course, we've got Alaric, who dies and then comes back Mm -hmm. and then dies and then comes back and then dies. Then comes back one more time, I think, (laughs) for the new series, Legacies. Um, So I don't know. Like I think that sometimes it's used as a little bit of a crutch to push the protagonist into the next thing. But I think that works really well in coming-of-age stories because, of course, we have to get rid of those parents, quote-unquote quote right so Mm -hmm. i think in a coming of age story it works quite nicely 
um, and definitely pushes them onto the next step. Mm. Um, I mean, literally in the Hunger Games, they are literally called mentors. However, you could argue mm. Katniss's initial mentor is her dad, who is dead. And then she loses her mom through PTSD and she feels like she can't talk to her. But then she has this literal mentor in Haymitch, who, of course, does not die. And I think a lot of people thought he would die. So I don't know. I think it works better with with coming of age stories than with adult stories when I was looking at all the different examples. Yeah, I see. What you, I see what you're saying. Yeah, I guess Katniss has a has a few people that are kind of mentors. Throughout, mm, right. right. That's right. a really good one, actually. Because there's yeah. um, in a more minor way that uh, Lenny Kravitz's character. Yeah. Oh, as a yeah. sort of mentor. And then. Yeah, definitely. Does he die? Yeah, of course. Yeah, of course. Image doesn't though. Yeah, he's a bad trope. Yeah, because she she actively called him a mentor to make you think he was going to die. Yeah, that's what, that's what did, it feels yeah. like. The fake out. <laughs> Thanks, Suzanne. First name terms. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but I mean, it's interesting that in a series where they keep bringing about mentors, where it's how much weight do you even give the mentor if um, if it's just going to be like one mentor a season? Mm. Yeah, yeah. That's a difficulty. You, you automatically know they're going to get written off. Yeah, it feels so like, like a known thing, doesn't it, in storytelling? Yeah. Like as, as you say, like they're called a mentor in the Hunger Games, so you think, right, well, they're going to die. And even if you're not a writer, you're just like an avid reader, or you just love stories or watch a lot of TV or film. Yeah, you feel like you know they're going to go, and they feel like they have to go because they feel like they have a course they have to run. Yeah, as, as and a it's character. not the full yeah. story. <laughs> yeah, the Sopranos yeah. did that. They for like a few seasons, um, they had uh, a celebrity guest star each season, mm-hmm. and like as soon as they were introduced, you just knew that they were going to get bumped off by the end of the season. And of course that happened about three or four seasons in a row. So it's like, how invested do you get in these characters? You know, I mean, he wasn't, they weren't mentors, but it's that kind of thing. It's like when you watch a uh, detective, I don't know if you watch any like detective or CSI kind of style shows. Yeah. And whenever there's a guest starring, like when there's like someone pretty famous who comes on to do one episode, you're like, well, they're either the killer or they're like, you know, <laughs> going to get killed. You know, it's one or the spoiler. other. <laughs> like just being famous is a spoiler. <laughs> but you're right in terms of if bringing it back to mentors. Mm-hmm. Like I think a lot of mentors are so intrinsically linked to the hero or protagonist. Right. At the point that you were talking about where they don't need the mentor anymore, when they sort of outgrow them, if they didn't die there would be no point in them. They would have no purpose. Yeah. Like their whole character is just, I'm here to teach this one <laughs> character and that's it. Yeah, definitely feels that way. That um, thing about having a, a famous uh, person come onto the cast and you, you as, as being a bit of a, an indication of a spoiler, that mm-hmm. worked really well, I thought, in John Wick um, with Willem Dafoe because he plays such evil characters um, <laughs> and when you see him and come up in a movie, you're like, oh my gosh, do I trust him or not? Like, and he's got mm-hmm. one of those faces that you just yeah. like, you're like, oh, he could be really evil. Um, but I thought in, in John Wick, he did, he kind of subverted the, um, mentor trope quite nicely because John Wick was like obviously coming out of retirement um and he wasn't quite decided um if he was out definitely out of retirement but he had this like personal errand he was going to run and um Willem Dafoe you know he's older he's just as skilled and whilst John um is like trying to decide um is he definitely back or not as an assassin? Willem Dafoe kind of looks out for him throughout the movie and um, right. someone's about to murder him and Willem Dafoe kind of alerts Keanu Reeves to it and um, 
you know, he, he manages to escape the situation and things like that. And yeah, throughout the movie, Willem Dafoe saves his ass like three or four times. And then at one point, at the point where um, Keanu Reeves says, I'm definitely back now, like Willem Dafoe dies really shortly after. Um, and that is like, right. that becomes like this turning point where because he dies and because John Wick has now lost his kind of friend slash mentor, he then decides, yes, um, I'm definitely back. And he goes after the people who tried to kill Willem Dafoe. Um, and I thought that worked quite well in terms of the mentor um, mentee relationship because, like, he, he's famous, so you automatically, <laughs> you automatically distrust him because of who he is. But also, um, just the fact that it, he he does fulfil quite a lot of the, the mentor boxes, and you realise at the end, no, actually, he's a good guy. So I thought that was quite good. Yeah, I guess yeah. Weird, weirdly, the subversion in some ways there is that he whilst he acts like a mentor figure it's not like at any point you feel like john wick needs his yeah. help to like learn anything new other than sort of just he's just a bit rusty looking <laughs> yeah. out for him yeah 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 it's to get him sort of back in the saddle because that's the whole mm. point of the mentor isn't it it's like student becomes teacher is yeah. the entire plot of a mentor which is obviously like super literal and things like karate kid and stuff like that but yeah, the whole point. So that's why it feels like they sort of have to die or step aside. And then I was thinking when you were saying about subverting the trope, when does subverting the trope become common enough? To be <laughs> that, that's it's so true. <laughs> yeah, because I was thinking about in, that's a really um, good point. Yeah, because I was thinking about in Shadow and Bone, obviously the Darkling, and I talked about a bit about this last, like another episode. Um, like the Darkling, obviously is a bad guy, but that is her mentor. That is literally her magical mentor. Like he's teaching her how to use her magical powers, and then mm-hmm. it comes out, surprise, I'm evil, um, <laughs> and everyone's really shocked and practice their shocked faces. And I uh, was wondering that sort of a way of him stepping away and her becoming the teacher and she has to like learn a different way through even though she's been taught in a particular sense like essentially she's been taught to be evil and she has to learn to be good yeah and she's been taught a different way yeah exactly Mm -hmm. so then i feel like that's its own trope yeah surprise i'm evil mentor yeah (laughs) do you prefer because evil mentors is sort of a category in its own do you prefer the surprise i'm evil mentor or the has blatantly been evil all along mentor (laughs) um i mean it it depends uh how you read right and how you watch things because <laughs> it seems obvious that the darkling is evil well, yeah. like exactly. that feels fairly yeah. obvious that he's evil but then maybe that's part of the fun maybe that's part of the fun <laughs> yeah. and then maybe when it's a surprise maybe some people are surprised some people aren't and maybe sometimes i kind of don't mind if something comes and i feel like it's a slow motion car crash and i know it's going to come at some point <laughs> mm. i'm okay with that but i have spoken to other people who didn't genuinely didn't realize oh, maybe really? it's the sort of stuff they read or watch mm. so yeah yeah. <laughs> Obviously, some things are set up to be a huge twist reveal. Right. But like something like um, Batman Begins with Liam Neeson's character, if you have literally any knowledge of the Batman universe, you knew immediately that he was um, evil or he was working for an evil organization. And in fact, they the, the mental sequence happens in like the first sort of third of the film and, and is it is sort of declared that they are the League of shadows assassins bad dudes very mm-hmm. early on in the movie and then and then because that's before he even goes back to gotham so that one is a sort of like he's the mentor and then it's early on revealed that he's evil which i think works and then he comes back later on mm-hmm. yeah but then there's the sort of twist ones like i mentioned good place where if you've seen good place season one and the whole time michael is yeah. in quotes helping them and then the final episode 
the the reveal that he it, it's yeah. not the good place and, and that, that is obviously not. a big twist reveal like yeah. even if you've guessed it it's supposed to be a big twist yeah yeah. And obviously Samuel in uh, Unbreakable because M. Night Shyamalan has to do a twist. Oh, <laughs> yeah. That's his point. thing, right? <laughs> That's his brand. <laughs> the trope with the, 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 what was, didn't he do a movie recently where there wasn't a twist and everyone was like, the biggest twist was that there was no twist. He subverted everyone's expectations. Subverted his own trope. <laughs> exactly. Gotcha. Um, I do, I do think it can be, I think it has to be handled so well if it's the secret evil. Mm. It has, um, to, it has to have been uh, padded out beforehand. So like, yeah. you, it's not like, oh my gosh, that is a shock. It has to be like, oh, that makes sense. You know, like when you're reading it and it's, you can see things that have happened before um, yeah. that, that back it up and you're like, oh, okay. So that's why he did that. That's why he did this, blah, blah, blah. Mm. Um, and that's what, that's what makes it successful, I think. I think that's twist generally, though. You just have to like build them in, um, yeah. Yeah. so that they're not they don't take the reader completely by surprise, and it's not a complete U-turn. What do they yeah. say? Is surprising yet inevitable. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, yeah, I think that's that's okay. I think with a mentor, though, what's clever about that kind of twist is that we have to believe that what they're doing seems like a good thing, and only when we're shown the background story do we understand it was actually bad, actually bad so i guess that's like part of the thing with dumbledore isn't it depending on where you fall on that argument was he good was he bad was he mm -hmm. like raising a pig for slaughter or was he and the, all those times where you think he was being really kind and you realize He's he was like, actually was he? not yeah. necessarily being kind and it's kind of ambiguous that's why those sorts of things are clever because it makes you question yourself as you were reading like your past self mm. you're like have i misread this person never yeah. mind a character like am i a bad betrayed. judge of character <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> that's so true <laughs> and i guess that it's interesting now that we obviously when the first star wars films came out and you have obi-wan who's very um stereotypical mentor that dies early in the in quotes the first movie and it's interesting now that we had the prequels we also have the kenobi series and mm -hmm. you can see that character's back that char the character's never evil you no. just, it's more like you see all the mistakes that they've made that's led them to the point where they became this person that was good and and wanted to like genuinely help the everyone and do the right thing mm -hmm. yeah whereas yeah. with Dumbledore we never see that well I guess we're seeing that maybe in Fantastic yeah Beast. we don't know I, don't know I think we don't know I, think <laughs> I don't know Jude Law's awesome. Dumbledore now so <laughs> we he can knows. ask him <laughs> <laughs> but so, talking about Obi-Wan and lots of mentors do this as well because life expectancy is short for a mentor. Yeah. A lot of them come back to life or come back in some form. Obviously, Obi-Wan is like immediately back as a, as a like force a ghost. ghost. Yeah. In, in yeah. And Gandalf d dies in the fellowship, but then is back in the two towers as reborn, reincarnated as Gandalf. Yeah. And stronger yeah. than ever. What do you, how do you guys feel about that? Like killing them and then bringing them back? I mean, the reason I think if you have to bring a mentor back, okay, this is going to sound really catty. If you have to bring <laughs> a mentor back, it's because you haven't given the main character or the cast of characters enough skills on their own to do it, to do the task. Right. And so it's like the reason Gandalf has to come back is because, um, 
Tolkien relies on him too heavily, I think, um, to be this Deus Ex, like, oh, by the way, <laughs> I can con- yeah, like, by <laughs> yeah. the way, I can conjure these massive birds who will take us away from this horrible situation. <laughs> you know, just things like that. And um, yeah. he's obviously still needed. Uh, that scale is obviously still needed, which means that um, the, the main cast of characters haven't quite cracked it on their own yet. Um, and I. And but I mean, at the same time, Gandalf is quite likable. He's quite mysterious. You kind of want to um, see more of him yeah, as a character, character, or read more of him. Sorry. So like, mm-hmm. you know, I don't, I don't, I don't, I both like it and dislike it. I think. No, I agree. I think um, the only time I like it when a mentor comes back is because obviously because they're the mentor, so they were sort of the teacher and slightly better at the skills, whatever the skill may be, mm-hmm. than the student they were teaching. I like it when they come back as a villain. So yeah, uh, they cool. do that in Vampire Diaries. They bring back Alaric as a super, like, um, really OP vampire hunter after yeah. he has been this um, sort of, he he investigates and like all of the different backgrounds of all the different magical creatures and vampire diaries and he teaches them about them and he's so kind and he is their friend and then he dies and when they bring him back, he is basically the villain of that series. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, I think that's a really good way to do it because I think that's interesting having to, first of all, it's an emotional gut punch, having to essentially fight who, somebody that we trusted yeah, and saw as an almost true. parent figure because yeah. obviously mentors are usually like parental figures especially in YA and children's mm-hmm. but then also you know that they're really dangerous because you've seen what they can do yeah, so then true. you're getting that full force so I don't mind when they do it that way but I do totally agree that other ways I'm not really sure what the importance of bringing back that character if did you regret killing them in the first place depends how interesting the character is on their own yeah I agree mm-hmm. to that extent yeah what do you think Jamie in defense of bringing characters back. Mm-hmm. And I think with, with Obi-Wan, I think I, Obi-Wan fills the classic mental arc of teaching and then providing additional motivation and also giving the hero the chance to, was sort of like, they're not brave enough to do it by themselves. They're sort of forcing them to prove that they can do it by themselves. Yeah. But I think also in t- as like an analytical way, if Obi-Wan is still there, it sort of feels like, well, why didn't Obi-Wan just do that? Why didn't, mm-hmm. you know, Obi-Wan's obviously better at using the Force and the lightsaber than Luke is. Why didn't Obi-Wan just do that? So they have to remove his skill element to force Luke and co to do the stuff. Mm-hmm. And then when they bring him back, and that, this is actually quite a clever way of doing it, I think, in Star Wars, it, when they come back as Force ghosts and they have, I mean, I think in some of the canon, they can interact with the with the world, but generally don't do anything other than just hang out and like, impart occasional wisdom on people like obi-wan effectively can no longer interact with the challenges ahead of luke right and the same with yoda like Mm. when they come back they can't you can't use their power anymore you can only use their advice which is a sort of fun yeah uh, yeah story thing to do and with gandalf i think you guys are right and i think there is a lot of reliance on gandalf to (laughs) do a thing to solve a thing um but I would say Gandalf is removed at a crucial time in the story where hmm. the fellowship is starting to show cracks. Yeah. Gandalf's fake de- fake out death is sort of sets up the breaking of the fellowship, which forces yeah. a lot of characters to sort of begin their arc. So it's, it sets Aragorn off on his arc. Obviously it sets Sam mm-hmm. and Frodo off on their arc. Yeah, um, that's a good point. It hits a good beat, doesn't it? Yeah. 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 And whilst he does come back as uh, more powerful, he, he doesn't come back until those arcs are now 
um, sort of in isolation and set up and on the move. And he also doesn't come back. He comes back and, and inter- he doesn't interact with Frodo and Sam. He doesn't really interact with Aragorn for a while. Mm. He comes back and then sort of does his own thing. He has his own sort of storyline with Merry and Pippin. Yeah, that's true. Mm-hmm. And things like that. So, it's, it's, it, I do think he is a crutch for the whole story. But I, I think that the timing with which he is removed and then yeah. brought back, mm-hmm. and then his subsequent use is is it still works? I think. Yeah. What do you guys think about fake out deaths? I mean, obviously Gandalf is a, is a fake out death. Yeah. But it happens quite a lot with, it with does. mentors. With mentors it does. particularly. Mm. Yeah. I mean, I've talked about it a little bit with like various seasons. And I think, especially when it's a television series as opposed to a book series, the way, well, we know, like what, the way publishers work is they either will commission a series or they will say to you, um, oh, this has done really well. Do you think you can leave it sort of, uh, oh, thank God you left it a bit open-ended. Can we commission another book? Or, you know, obviously very sadly, your small publisher folds like you don't get to finish. So oh. you get to be really, really <laughs> cool and awesome and self-published. So that is the other option the best option um whereas i think with the tv series obviously i don't work in television so i don't know exactly how it works but it does feel like obviously it's, it's taking something like even the walking dead and also game of thrones did this a little bit but walking dead more so now there's sort of 22 episodes in a walking dead season they used to be six and then eight and so they just made them longer as the audience wanted them and so I think you have to then come up with things and if you've got a particular actor who can't be in the show anymore then you might have to fake out their death or if they have another project to do and then you can bring them back. So I think there is yeah. a bit of a difference between, say, books and things that are written for screen because yeah, you're relying on a larger cast, literal oh, cast yeah, of yeah, people. Um, yeah, so I think there's a little bit of a difference there. So sometimes I forgive it a bit more on television because okay. I think they might be doing other projects. And especially if mm. I really like an actor, that that also makes you latch on a little bit more to a character. Um, mm-hmm. Whereas in books, uh, I have this rule. I say this about a screen as well, to be fair, but I have this rule um, that I always say, like, I'm sure everyone has the same rule. No body, they're not dead. Like every time it's like, oh, and the body's <laughs> yeah, yeah, been yeah. washed away. I'm like, right, so they're not dead then. And even dead. if it goes on another five seasons, I'm like, but they're not dead. It's like, it's been 10 years since it doesn't matter. They're not dead. Didn't find yeah. their body. End of discussion. So I think, yeah, I think there's a little bit, I don't know. I always, a, a fake out death sometimes feels, sometimes I will wait for someone who literally isn't coming back. And other times it doesn't even feel like a fake out. Cause I'm like, well, you've not even told me they're dead because I can't see their body. Yeah, <laughs> so yeah, yeah. I feel like I don't and not that I don't fall for them because I'm so smart but it's just more that I don't really believe those anyway so then they never feel yeah, like yeah because that's the trope in itself isn't it yeah yeah, yeah I, I was about yeah. to say this is a whole other episode yeah. fake out there we, we, should definitely do one. we can find some great ones find all the best ones all the worst ones but go, going back to mentors then yeah I think a big issue, and I, I touched on it earlier when I said that often mentors are intrinsically linked to a protagonist. And mm-hmm. once the protagonist no longer needs them, they have to die because otherwise they would just be a nothing, nobody character because they've lost all purpose of existence. What do you guys think in terms of, and I think a really good example is something like uh, Shifu from Kung Fu Panda, who is, <laughs> who is a sort of archetypal reluctant mentor. Mm-hmm. but he very much has his own arc within the story separate of mm. not entirely separate, but mostly separate of Poe in that he, you, you know, the, the main villain of the story was his protege was his like pride and joy. The one that he thought was going to be the greatest and he still trains other people, but he doesn't do it with the same pride. Mm. And then it all comes to like one when 
Poe ends up fighting uh, the villain and, and, and the showdown that happens there. Mm-hmm. What do you guys think about things like that? Where I think that's the best kind of mentor for me is when they have their own arc yeah, individually right. of the hero. Yeah. So they're not tied to the main character in the sense that they are just a mentor. They have their own background and their own sort of um, trage- tragedy and things like that. They're more three-dimensional. Mm. Exactly. If you removed the protagonist. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What are they? They yeah. would still be, you know, Shifu would still be training the Furious Five. One yeah. of them would have been picked for a thing. He, like, he'd still be training people and trying to sort of undo the mistake he made with uh, Tai Long, I think is the character's name. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think we have. So what we're really saying is it depends on the cast of characters you have, because I think when you have a mentor, it's usually quite a larger cast of characters, that sort of story, that sort of hero's journey and adventure. Obviously, they're usually literally road tripping somewhere. Um, So I think we're really talking about having a larger cast of characters that, Mm. you know, and you trust the author has really thought through each individual person as a 3D, make them feel real. Because again, I was talking about the emotional gut punch. And the problem is if they don't feel real, whether they when they die let's get real when they die um or whether it's a fake out death you're not going to get or whether they come back as a villain you're not going to get the same emotional (laughs) gut punch if they're not feeling realistic and real yeah also i guess that entire thing of being a mentor means they're practically a parent they practically they pretty much are the person i will die for my child type character right so then Mm -hmm. they also are in conjunction massively with the main character so it's a tough one but yeah i think you need to make them feel really 3d and that's quite obviously massive skill anyway of the writer depends if you trust the author yeah Mm -hmm. yeah (laughs) i think that's done really and like it doesn't even mean that you have to come up with a complex arc for them because i think that's done really well in the matrix with morpheus yeah, Morpheus Where is good. Yeah. Morpheus's arc is very like traditional. He even like you were saying, he he does sacrifice himself to try yeah. and get Neo yeah. out. But his and his arc is is literally just the fact that he truly believes that Neo is the one, someone who he's been searching for forever. So he's like as much as you can possibly be the trope, he probably is that, but it works right. I think so well because it's because he, it makes sense with him and the story and the world and the character. He's a fully fleshed out character. Yeah. That is his motivation is that he's just so, he believes so much that Neo is the one that he's been looking for for ages yeah, right. that he sacrifices himself to do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I th- the mentor and um, the chosen one kind of go together, don't they, a lot? Yeah. Um, like yeah, one yeah. true pairing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but that I think Morpheus subverts that actually in the sense that you're right he has his own character arc whereas if you look at Dumbledore and Harry Potter uh, so Mm -hmm. Dumbledore dies um, and so like if Harry dies uh, Dumbledore's mission is kind of an end and like who really is he he's still a headmaster but um, you know he needs Harry and able to to be able to save the day whereas like I don't know. I, I feel like other mentors kind of, like you're saying, like with um, Shifu, um, you know, he still has this arc. He still has this personality. He still has this three-dimensional uh, aspect to him. And he would still continue doing what he was doing. But I, I just, I don't know. Yeah. I, I, it depends how well the chosen one is is drawn up as well, I think. I think they're tied together. I think what's really, what you were saying there works really well with, especially with Morpheus and yeah. the Matrix where... I think the the storyline is that everyone in that crew on that ship, he thought could be the one. And like, that's why he recruited each of them mm-hmm. because he, he was, he thought, oh, this might be the one. 
it wasn't the one, so he'd find the next one. So if Neo wasn't the one, mm-hmm. Neo would join the crew and he would yeah. go, keep going to look for the next one, which is, yeah. I think, a really good way of... Because the it. focus is the mission as opposed to the person. It's like in yeah. Buffy as well. Like Giles yeah. has been with other Slayers. He's been training other <gasps> Slayers. Yeah, that's so true. Side Slayers. Yeah. <laughs> um, but obviously we love like Buffy's very well drawn and Giles is very well drawn. But at the end of the day, he the thing that makes us actually emotionally connected to him is that he does put the mission above all else, but he starts mm. to create an emotional bond with Buffy because yeah. she is left like she doesn't have a dad, and then obviously her mum dies like quite early on in the seasons. I can't remember which season, but she does die quite early on. Um and so he does feel like this emotional attachment to specifically Buffy. Mm-hmm. which will even make him bend the rules around other things. And, of course, he doesn't actually die. I don't think so. I no, don't I don't think he dying. dies. He does no. turn evil, though, and it's yeah. brilliant. My favourite. My favourite. <laughs> evil mentor. Have you seen that episode where he gets with Buffy's mum? It's so funny. Yeah. It's like <laughs> so He's cringe. Wild. It's brilliant. <laughs> yeah. That's funny. Sorry, tangent. <laughs> we, ha- we have to get on to... Um, have you guys both seen Into the Spider-Verse? No. Okay, you guys should both watch it. I know, I've been <laughs> saving this. it. I know. You should watch it through this new lens of Okay. Um, first of all, I mean it's just it's just a really great thing by itself. Yeah. Like the animation, the story, the the voice acting, the, the whole thing is great. But mm-hmm. for you know, an analytical craft point of view, mm-hmm. it sets up a world where you have the main ca- character, the protagonist, which is Miles Morales, and Every single, almost every single character around him seems like a potential mentor. Right. And when you look at it from a craft point of view, it's almost like a sort of who done it to who the actual mentor is. Right. For, who who is affecting Mars Morales and sort of taking him on this journey? That's yeah. Really um, I won't spoil it for you guys because I care about you too. Whereas the listeners, I guess, we spoil everything for. <laughs> 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 but. Um, yeah, you know, it's a really interesting setup where it sets up a bunch of characters that could or should potentially in your head be the mentor, but mm-hmm. aren't necessarily the mentor. And it, it, it's done very well to, to, to work it out in that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But you guys should definitely watch it. Okay. It's on the list. <laughs> <laughs> it's on the list. I hope the list isn't as big as your like to be read reading list. Oh, uh, it's, um, yeah. It's both, both are not good. <laughs> So in conclusion, what do we think, what do we think is the main issue with mentors and mentors frequently dying? They are often not well drawn themselves. Yeah. Um, That's not always the case, but I think it's happened enough that, you know, what, when you see a mentor type, you know what they're going to do and you know the role they're going to fulfill too quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, they, the fact that then, you know, they're probably going to die is itself a spoiler of the just movie. You're that, just waiting yeah. for it to happen a lot of the time. Sorry, yeah. I said movie. I meant read book. You know, you don't watch movies. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's all writing. It's all writing. <laughs> yeah. I was about to say, it's the same as like when you see Sean Bean and you, you think, mm, yeah, that's it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's a Sean Bean moment, isn't it? <laughs> Sean Bean playing a mentor. Yeah, no, I I agree with Naomi, so I won't repeat. But I will add, and I think you do have to get rid of the mentor in order to, especially in say 
mm-hmm. um, like coming of age fiction, especially. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You have to get rid of the mentor, but maybe we should be trying to find more interesting ways to get rid of the mentor that isn't either death or fake out death. Mm. Or like, evil. Yeah. Well, actually, I quite like evil, so I'm okay with that. <laughs> that trope can stay. <laughs> that one's allowed. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think rules. the conclusion then is that there's actually nothing really wrong with this trope. The th- mm-hmm. the, the issue is more you if you're going to have a mentor, even if you know they're going to die, you need mm-hmm. to fully develop the character and it needs to yes. be a fully sort of realized existing character in the universe which if the main character wasn't there would still have things to do and have a purpose yeah mm-hmm. yeah and if you do that you can almost do anything i think it's such a good trope for subversion i think there's so much you can do with it yeah mm-hmm. definitely especially because oh. there's so much weight implied with it yeah. yeah so this trope goes on the like good list yeah, <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah we should make a list <laughs> we should make a list yeah this one passes Tick. pass good trope mentors <laughs> Thanks for putting up with our nonsense for another episode. To stay tuned to everything we're up to, you can follow the podcast on all socials at The Chosen Tropes. Follow Melissa at Meliva, Naomi at Naomi G. Wrights, and Jamie at Jamie X. Greenwood. Don't forget to check out Naomi and Melissa's books as well as the Right and Wrong podcast. Thanks again, and we'll see you on the next trope. <laughs>